There's a world that's lost and dying And people that are trying To find a life and live it on their own But how will they hear If we don't go and share A new life of love in Christ alone We have a soul purpose A soul purpose A purpose to please our Lord speak to and souls to rescue a witness to our loving lord we're a witness to our loving lord the lord said go and tell them of a mansion up in heaven it's a place prepared for you and for me don't live a life of fear just hold that promise dear that jesus up in heaven we shall see we have a soul purpose a soul purpose a purpose to please our lord people to speak to and souls to rescue a witness to our loving lord we're a witness to our loving Lord. We have a soul purpose, a soul purpose, a purpose to please our Lord. People to speak to and souls to rescue, a witness to our loving Lord. We're a witness to our loving Lord. Amen. That's a good one. That goes right along with our theme, doesn't it? Brother Josh wrote that song for our theme, and boy, what's a wonderful little song. Just gets me fired up. Amen? Amen. Yeah, sorry for you that I'm fired up. Okay, but anyway, I just got back from a week at football camp, and there you hear some really good preaching, and so today we'll just have some preaching. And uh, yeah, okay, some of you laugh too much at that, and it makes me a little concerned. But anyway, you know, while I was there, I tried to catch some fog. I missed. I learned while I was at football camp that jokes about German sausage are the worst. Yeah, you learn a lot of good things there. Um, did you know that a soldier who survived mustard gas and pepper spray is now a seasoned veteran? Yeah. I know this guy who's addicted to brake fluid. He says he can stop any time. <laughs> I don't know if I believe him, but anyway. Despite the trends in our country today to, say, you know, to stop saying no, there's a trend in our country. It seems that you're not supposed to say no to people anymore. You're not supposed to say no to your children, at least. I mean, there's some ladies in our church that were working at like a daycare center, and uh, they said that there came a point where they were like, hey, listen, we don't want you to say no to the kids. Use other options. I mean, what's wrong with that? There seems to be something wrong with that. According to Dr. Markham, a, a doctor, a particular doctor, he says, saying no to your child helps, them, helps with setting boundaries and limits which aid in their development emotionally, physically, and mentally. Never saying it, he goes on to say, can leave children ill-equipped to deal with a real, the real world. And I'll tell you something, all that stuff, the psychology and psychiatry and all that, if it's not rooted and founded and grounded in the Word of God, we got a real problem. And this idea that somehow that saying no to your child is just going to, I mean, destroy or damage their self-image is really not true. they got to learn that word no. And the fact is, is that many doctors and counselors still recognize the need to do so. Now, saying no to the flesh is in vogue in the Word of God. It's, it's, it's really very popular in the Bible. It's normal. It's the way God intended it to be. So we learn a very important principle now, and this is going to kind of go toward the message, but the principle is simply this. What the parents do in moderation, the children will do in excess. And I'm going to focus on that because when it's all said and done, parents, when it's all said and done, grandma and grandpa, we have to say no. Or they will say yes. We have to say no. Or they will say yes. 
And I know right now you're thinking I'm talking about obeying or disciplining children. No, I'm talking about we have to say no to our flesh. Or they're going to say yes to theirs. Because that's the real problem. Because, see, listen, it's not hard to control a six-year-old. Listen to what I'm telling you. Some of you don't believe what I just said, but I'm telling you, it's easy. Wait till they're 16. If you don't control them at six, you'll never control them at 16. All these problems with children hitting parents today. When did it start? They were three. You kidding me? There's a problem. Parents, at some point, you have to say no to your flesh because you're allowing that to go on, which means you're appeasing your flesh and you're not fulfilling the Word of God. Something's wrong with that. And I'm telling you, we have to say no or they're going to say yes. This idea that parents do in mo- what parents do in moderation and children do in excess is a biblical principle. We think about Abraham. Take your Bible, look at Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to try to help you today because I'm convinced that we are losing a generation. I'm convinced that we're in a real mess in America and around the world because we're not dealing with the flesh. And I'm talking about believers today. And listen, I I say often, you know, you got one finger pointing out, you got three pointing back. So listen, it's not just you, it's me too. We just got to recognize and understand the need to say no. Or they're going to say yes. Look what it's in Genesis chapter 12, verse 10. And there was a famine in the land. And Abraham went down into Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was grievous in the land. Now we know that God told Abraham to go into the land that he called him to, that promised land. And Abraham, by faith, went. We understand that. But now we find him leaving that land and going down into Egypt. And while he is in Egypt, a type of the world, we notice something very interesting. And it came to pass in verse 11, when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said to Sarah, his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. We find Abraham basically now telling his wife to tell a, a, a little white lie, we might call it. Because there is an element here where she was his half-sister. However, uh, she was his wife too. You know, it's interesting. He doesn't just do it one time. He does it again now. He does it not only in chapter 12, but he goes on in chapter 20 of the book of Genesis, turn to verses 2 and 3, and we see that he does it a second time. In Genesis chapter 11, verse, uh, chapter 20, verse 2 through 3, notice what it says. And Abraham said of Sarah his wife, She is my sister, and Abimelech, king of Gerar, uh, sent and took Sarah. And God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man, for the woman which thou hast taken, for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. Second time, he does it again now. He's put in a position where he's concerned about his own life. And instead of giving the whole truth and nothing but the truth, he goes ahead and he sells this little half-truth. And by the way, a half-truth is a whole lie. And in this case, if you have any doubt that it was, you know, okay, so maybe it was his half-sister, and that's how God viewed it. Over in the book of Genesis, chapter 11, verse 31, the Bible says, and this is before his calling, and Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarah, his daughter-in-law his son Abraham's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees. God didn't view her as Abraham's sister at this point. God viewed her as his wife. And can I tell you that he lied when he told those authorities that she was simply his sister. But you know what? What the children, what the parents do in moderation, the children do in excess. And so now we have Abraham who's going to go ahead and tell a half lie. And we're going to see Isaac sell a whole one. 
Because now we find Isaac in Genesis chapter 26, verses 6 and 7, saying, And Isaac dwelt in Gerar, and the men of the place asked him of his wife. And he said, She is my sister. A whole lot, just bold-faced lie. Bold-faced lie. No truth to that at all. Not even a half-truth. It's just a lie. For he feared to say, She is my wife, lest said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebecca because she was fair to look upon. Now let me ask you, where did he learn that trick? He learned it from daddy, that's right. He learned it from dad. Dad couldn't say no to his flesh. And as a result of that, he was more worried about his life than he was the future of his son. He wanted comfort now. He wanted immediate gratification. He didn't want to lose his life over some stupid, simple thing as, well, this is my wife. I don't want to die for that reason. And his son was picking it all up. His son's radar was well at hand. And what the parent does in moderation, the children do in excess. Now it's not a half lie anymore. It's a whole one. We think about David. We know the story of David. We understand that he appeased his flesh. We know that he indulged his flesh. He took what was not his there is nothing in Scripture that I find, at least from my own perspective, that indicts Bathsheba at all. It's not like this was consensual. This was the king demanding. This would be closer to rape than it would be consensual relationships. Listen to me. Here's the king now. He makes this happen. It's because of his flesh. He did not put his flesh in check. He went ahead and fulfilled his indulgences and his lusts, and he did what he chose to do. Sadly, his son Solomon would go on to have 700 wives and 300 concubines. See, what the parent does in moderation, the children do in excess. There's nothing in Scripture. As a matter of fact, Solomon is warned not to multiply wives. He's been told that over and over. David knew he shouldn't be doing that too. But here we are now. 700 wives, 300 concubines. You say, well, the wives in those days was simply just to, you know, create some alliances between nations. And I get all that. But what are the 300 concubines then? We got a young man here whose lust is never, it's never enough for him. But hold on. It gets worse than that. His wives would turn his heart away from the Lord even because that's what God said would happen. And in the book of 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 4, For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart from other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, or was, as was the heart of David his father. That's an interesting statement, isn't it, after what David did? Something went wrong in the heart. See, God knows that we're going to mess up. God knows we're going to do horrible, heinous things in this flesh. But here's the thing, there better be a, a desire to change it. Solomon here is being ruled by the flesh now, and his wives turn his heart away from God, and he enters into idolatry. Hey, David did this thing, and we say moderation, what he did to Bathsheba, hold on, I'm just going to tell you, things were a lot different than they are today, and the fact is, is that David did what he did because of the flesh, but Solomon multiplied it many times. I'm going to tell you something, that what the parents do in moderation, the children do in excess. And it's the same today as it was back then. There's no difference. And the fact is, Daddy, when you can't control your flesh, your children are going to struggle with it the rest of their days too. Mama, when you can't shut your lips and you can't keep your mouth from doing the things it shouldn't do, it, they pick up on it and it's going to scar them for a lifetime. What the parents do in moderation, the children do in excess. We've got to say no to the flesh. You have to say no to the flesh. I have to say no to this flesh. The flesh is a real problem, by the way. It's a real problem, not just then, but now. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, you'd bless us now in these next few minutes. May your Holy Spirit drive home this truth and this great need in our lives that we have to say no to this flesh. Because if we don't say no to the flesh, our children will say yes to it every time. Father, help us, Lord. We need you. Well, thank you in Christ's name. Amen. The flesh is a real problem. First of all, there's some real scriptural proof of that. I'm just going to run through some verses. I have a lot of verses to cover, and I want to get to the real message. Romans 7, 18, For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, the Apostle Paul said. There's nothing good about the flesh. In 2 Corinthians 7, 1, it goes on to say, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God, the filthiness of the flesh. Doesn't sound like a very positive thing. 
Galatians 5.16, this I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Boy, I tell you, when we yield to this flesh, it's a problem. Biblically, it's a problem. And the flesh is a real problem. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Here it is now. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such like. Which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Man, this old flesh, there's something wrong with it. It's a real problem. There's scriptural proof of it. It's pretty obvious in the scriptures that the flesh is a problem. But not only that, but societal perversion proves it to us every time. Take your Bible, turn over to Genesis chapter 6. We see what happens when the flesh rules. We're going to recognize this in scripture. In chapter 6, you say, yeah, but that was a long time ago. I know, but nothing's changed because you know what? You are still the offspring of Adam. And so am I. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 11, the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Now that's a little H, his. So it does seem to refer to those that were on the earth. However, I'll say this, his way also was corrupted because they didn't follow through with it. They yielded to the flesh instead of the ways of God. They corrupted their way. Man, that flesh, there's nothing good. It's a real problem. It's been a problem since Genesis chapter 6 and even back in the Garden of Eden. It's still a flesh today in America. It's still a flesh, a problem today in the church house. It's a problem. The flesh is a real problem. Number two, the flesh offers empty promises. It offers empty promises. You know what the flesh offers you and I today? It offers us or promises us a lifetime of satisfaction, fulfillment, and pleasure. That's what it offers. That's what it promises. But it doesn't. In Proverbs 13, 15, the Bible says, Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. When you yield to that flesh, you don't have a happy life ahead usually. And oh, there's a couple times, and we'll look at it here in just a moment, that sometimes the devil will cash a check, but most of the time he don't cash the checks. We're going to show you what I mean by that. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, turn there, would you? Again, the flesh and Satan, boy, they promise a lifetime of satisfaction, fulfillment, and pleasure, but... Mm, that doesn't seem to be how the Bible characterizes it all. Look what it says in 2 Peter 3.10. It's right after 1 Peter. If you found it, just move ahead a little. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for, a new, heavens, uh, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness." Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. So wait a second. The devil and the flesh, if you will, is promising a lifetime and, 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 and a lifetime of satisfaction, fulfillment, and pleasure. But you know what? That's not really how things end with the flesh. The truth is, is that this world and everything else is going to be burned up. And you know what? There's more to life than just now. The fact is, is that we have an eternity to live. He may make some promises, though, but he doesn't always fulfill those promises. Matter of fact, he doesn't very often. And the truth is, the Bible puts a real a kind of a downer on things and says, by the way, it's all going to be burned up. If you're going to invest your life in all of this mess, it's just going to go away anyway. Because, see, the devil really can't come through. The devil's really not going to fulfill his promises, and he's not going to end up doing what he claims he's going to do. Now, today, I, I need, let me see, let me get, um, let me get a, a fellow up here, uh, how about, um, see, Isaac, why don't you come on up? Yeah, come on up, Isaac. Okay, Isaac, I've got a proposition for you today. I've got two checks in my hand today, all right? 
I got a check here today for $100,000. $100,000. Wow. It's a lot of money. But this check, this check, I, wait, I got a check. Wait a second. This is even more. A check for a million. That's a, wow, a million dollars. Now, of course, the church has more than that, so it's not a problem. We, this is nothing, right? Okay, so, so here we go, right? That's what most people think about churches, by the way. But anyway, here we are now, $100,000. There it is. You see it? There it is. Now, wait a second. Let's, let's come on over here, Isaac. I want you to stand back here. Uh, okay, that's good. Isaac, you're going to get an opportunity to choose one of these checks. Here. This check, you can have this $100,000. Oh, wait a second. It's been written out by the flesh and, and Satan. The flesh and Satan, see? The flesh and Satan signed this check. $100,000 today. $100,000 today. The devil says, hey, $100,000 today if you want it. The devil says, $100,000, Isaac. The flesh says, $100,000 today if you want it. It's yours. There it is, $100,000. Wait a second, let's look at the other one. Oh, wait a second. God's check says $1 million. But wait a second. What's it say right there, Isaac? Ten years. Ten years. You can't cash it until ten years is up. Oh, you can wait, get the million dollars, but you've got to wait for 10 years to cash this check. You're not going to see the, the, the benefit of this check for 10 years at least. And, and over here under the memo, it says the promises of God. That's, that's what you're depending on. Wait a second, what's this one? Sin for a season. Huh. Wait a second. So you can choose $100,000 from Satan in the flesh, or you can choose the million dollars, make it this way, from God. Hold on. It's up to you. $100,000 right now. Or 10 years. Now, you're a good Christian young man. You know something about, you, you know some things, don't you? You know, first of all, your life's but a vapor. You may not be here in 10 years. I mean, that's a possibility. Now, you probably will. But there's a possibility, right? There's always that possibility. So maybe you might want to just go ahead and follow the flesh. Just go ahead and cash his check. Or you can choose to wait 10 years and actually see the promises of God fulfilled in your life. And man, it'll be better than ever. Okay, now let's, wait, wait a second. How did Moses choose? Because see, the bottom line is this, is that one is immediate and the other one is what? Future. The devil and the flesh offer a life of immediate gratification. That's how it always works. He's always telling you, you can have it now. 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 And you know what the flesh says? I want it now. I want a life of excitement. I want a life of thrill. I want a life of fun. I want a life of comfort and ease. I want it now. That's what the flesh says. The problem is that the flesh and the devil rarely cash their checks. It doesn't cash. Now think about it. Think about it before you answer because it's important. How did Moses choose? Well, let's find out. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. I think I know how Isaac's going to choose. I believe his parents taught him right. But hold on a second. It doesn't matter how much our parents teach us right. At some point, we do have to make our own decisions. And that'll be a decision you have to make. You know what? I told you I was going to give you a chance to make that decision. You go sit down and listen to the rest of it, and then you can. How did Moses choose? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years. 11, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing, rather, to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. See, Moses saw through the lies. He decided to choose God's check. He decided to say, you know what? It's not going to be immediate gratification for me. Although I could stay here in Egypt, although I could be pampered and cared for by the best, although I could eat the most, the most wonderful foods and I could enjoy the, indulge the flesh like nobody's business, the fact is I see the real, the real future. I recognize the real important thing to choose, and the, choose, the, choose is, uh, the choice is not flesh for me. The choice is the promises of God. See, he made a choice. A decision. He saw through the lies. He decided to choose God's check. Which one will you choose this morning? 
See, the hope of immediate gain or pleasure or satisfaction or will you choose the future promises of God? And that's how it works. Let's see, you say, why are young people turning to the world? Because they're getting it now. They can't see the future. They're not recognizing that there's something more than today. But where are they learning that? Where are they getting that from? How, how, well, their phones. Well, then take them from them. Well, they're getting it from the television. Then stop letting them watch it. Say no, parents. Not just to them, but to yourself. What is it that's destroying them? What's causing them to see only the immediate? What's causing them to say, I'll take the 100000 now. I want immediate gratification. I want to enjoy a relationship with a girl before I'm married. I want to have money in my pocket. I'm going to go ahead and pursue finances and monetary gain more than I will the, 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 to pleasing God. Listen, let me tell you something. They're learning that from somebody, and I'm telling you, if they're learning it from the television, then you get rid of it. If they're learning it from the phone, you better get rid of it. If they're learning it at school, you better pull them out. I don't know what you but I, I don't know what you're gonna do but I know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna say no to the flesh and if you don't say no they'll say yes to it you say well that's all that yelling about I don't know maybe it's because I don't think sometimes we're listening we better start listening because we're gonna lose this generation I sat in a room with 300 teenagers this week and I promise you this every one of them's hooked on pornography I talked to all the kids I dealt with. Every one of them say they're dealing with lust in the flesh. They don't even want to say it out loud because at least they got enough smarts to know that shouldn't be something they're dealing with. But they are dealing with it every day of their lives. Oh, my parents have special things. I said, how are you doing with those, those things in your, that your parents are put on your phone to protect you? They, they, work, they, they work usually pretty good. You know what that means? They don't work all the time. They get around them. I'm telling you, and by the way, the preacher stood up and said this, if you're having a problem with pornography, young men, you probably need to go to your dads who's gotten a victory over it and they can help you. And I thought to myself, how many dads in our churches today are hooked on pornography? You can't go to your dad anymore half the time, right? Because he's just as bound by the flesh as you are now. He's learned it well. Yeah, I know, this is one of those reproving messages. And I try to be very encouraging all the time. But man, my heart breaks to think about a generation of teenagers that we are losing today. All because we don't want to give up some things. All because we don't want to say no to the flesh. It's us. We're creating it. It's not their fault. If we don't say no, they're going to say yes. You say, well, we try to keep our kids from certain things. Okay, is there anything you should keep them away? Is there anything you should say no? Hold on, it's not just them. I'm asking you, what are you allowing in your life that ultimately what you do in moderation, the children are going to do in excess? The flesh is a pitiful substitute. In 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us, but a far weight exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The believer may endure some affliction in their lives, but he or she in the end is, has everlasting bliss and, and just glory. Man, I'm telling you what, it's worth waiting on this check. It's worth waiting on the check. Because here's the thing, the devil doesn't always cash his. You know what he does? It's interesting with the devil. He, he's kind of an interesting character. He writes a bunch of checks, but they're rubber checks. And, and here's the thing. He, he, does, he, he, he uses the best ink. And, and he's got them written on the finest paper. They look so official. He presents it in a way that you are sure this is going to work out and this is going to be wonderful. But his resources are limited. He cashes only enough checks and answers only enough promises to keep the rest of us believing that he and what he offers is worth our time and our investment. So he'll cash that guy's check or that gal's check just to keep us thinking that it's going to cash. But it doesn't. So you've got a choice to make. And you know what? It's easy to say, oh, I would choose the Lord. I'd choose God in a church service. Let me tell you something. When you get home today and you have to decide whether you're going to watch that show that you like, that you know is not encouraging your children to live for Jesus Christ, or it's not encouraging you personally to, when you know it's going to feed your flesh, then let's ask which cash check you're going to cash. Okay? Let's do that. When it comes time to hang out with friends in your life, whether you're adults or children, let me ask you something. What check are you going to cash? 
You see, it's easy to say, I'm choosing God now. But let me tell you, a lot of us are taking the immediate gratification. I'll just take this now because I need friends more than I need God. And let our children, what we do in moderation, they're going to do in excess. So we may not be really bad shape. We might just be a little bad shape, but they're going to be in real bad shape. Because see, in the end, the flesh destroys. It destroys. In James chapter 1, turn there, James 1, 14 through 17. We're going to get to the message here in just a minute. Because we're touching on it. I can't help but get to it a little bit. It's driving me crazy. I mean, if I did a poll in the room today and I said, how many of you think that, that our culture and our society is in better shape today than it was 10 years ago? I don't think anybody raised their hand if they got any, any consciousness. If I said, how many of you believe that we're going to turn it around anytime soon at the rate we're going? I don't think anybody would raise their hand. How many of you think that we're going to be a more righteous nation in a year or two than we are presently? I don't think anybody would raise their hand. But let me tell you something. The world doesn't have a clue how to do that. We do. The problem is we won't many times. Why? Because we're feeding the flesh. And we like it. And we don't want no preacher. We don't want no parent. We don't want no president or authority telling us what to do. These people out there running around wanting abortion, holding up signs, save lives through abortion, save lives through abortion. You know what all that is? That's somebody saying, we're not going to let nobody tell us what to do. Nobody, even God, doesn't get to tell us what to do. We want the flesh. We want to fulfill the flesh. We want it to be flesh. Sadly enough, they're destroying the next generation, and they don't even realize it. And the very people that, well, I'm not even going to go there right now. Watch what happens here, James 1:14. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. See, we all think we can beat that one. If we're not careful, we, we've come to believe that, you know what? I did this and it was wrong, but I didn't see any negative ramifications. I didn't see any consequences. And you know what? Your, your children see that. And you live now like, well, it must not be bad because God didn't reach down from heaven and strike me with some kind of terminal disease. God didn't wreck my car. God didn't ruined my finances, and I'm still going good, so this must be okay. I, this is good enough. I can push it a little more, maybe. Push it a little more. And your children are watching that. And what you're doing in moderation, they're going to do in excess. Be but the flesh destroys. Whether you know that or not, whether you're cognizant, you know it here, but whether you believe it here. James 1.14, But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brother. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Did you just get that? See, we don't read these in context often, do we? See, we often just take that verse, and we just pull that verse out. You know, we say things like, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. But look what preempts it. Look what preempts it. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. There's a comparison being made. It's kind of like the Proverbs. Notice what's going on here. He says, here's what sin does. It brings forth death. Don't err. Don't err, he says. Don't be deceived. Don't think the wrong things. Do not misunderstand what I'm trying to tell you. Don't, don't leave here not getting it, he says. Don't err. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Let me tell you what. You can go ahead and say, I'm going to cash this check from Satan. But that's not where the gifts come from. That's not where the good things happen. He says, don't, don't be misled. Don't err. Then you better cash this one. Do not try to cash this one. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a phony. It's a fake. It's a rubber check. It's a lie. This is the only one that truly is, a, is good. Only God can cash a check like that. Every good gift cometh down from the Father of lights. If there's anything you've got in your life that's any good, you better thank God for it. You... But yet, let me tell you something. Satan takes credit for it all the time. Young people running around, living their lives. And let's face it, some of us, some of you, have made bad decisions in your life too. And boy, we had our health and we were feeling good and we thought we could whip the world. Made bad choices in our life. We didn't see the consequences of it immediately. 
I still remember, I, I, I remember being young and playing football, and I remember doing all kind of stupid, crazy things, going to the, like, uh, uh, Virginia Kendall and those big ledges and all those cliffs and jumping down off of them and rolling and doing stupid stuff. And, man, I'd be like, ooh, that hurt a little bit. That's, that hurt a little bit. I remember hit, diving across a, a ravine, and there was a big rock, and when I came across, I didn't quite get across. I whacked my knee on it, had to go to the emergency room. Oh, nothing's broken. You're good. Thanks. I'm glad nothing's broken. I feel that today. I feel that today. But see, it took a long time for it to actually happen, right? See, I thought I overcame it. I thought I was the one who beat the system. I thought I overcame. No, it's there. It happened, and I'm feeling it. It destroys sin does. The flesh destroys He'll let enough people succeed so that we think we can. Now, here's the thought. We've got to close. The choices you make in this life will dictate, often dictate and determine the choices your children and grandchildren make in their lives. That's a reality. And, and most of us know that. You know, we understand that. You know, you watch a little child, you know, and, and, and you say something you shouldn't say, and, and what happens about four hours later? The child says the exact same thing, and you're like, ooh, don't say that. No, you don't understand. I said that. I, I was a little upset when I said it. You should, don't repeat that. And then they go to Sunday school and they repeat it. And, and the teacher's like, oh, okay. We don't say that in Sunday school. You only say that at home. Your kids tell on you all the time. You, you, know, you know what? The four and five-year-old class teachers, they have to sign an oath of confidentiality. They really don't, but you know what I'm talking about. So as grandparents, as parents, we need to make the right choices when it comes to the flesh. Why? Because if we don't say no, they're going to say yes. See, we've got to say no to our flesh when it comes to bitterness. We've got to say no to our flesh when it comes to an unforgiving spirit. We got to say no to our flesh when it comes to laziness. I am so amazed at how lazy a generation has become. Where are they learning that? It didn't just happen overnight, friends. What the parents do in moderation, the children are doing in excess. You know, if we don't say no to our flesh when it comes to a lack of discipline in our life, our children are doomed. <laughs> I mean, getting up on time, going to bed on time. And I'm not talking about church service. Well, I'm sorry, preacher, but our children will be in bed at 7 o'clock, and unfortunately, church starts at 7, so we're not going as a family. We got family time. They go down, and then me and Mommy, we play together that evening. Let me tell you something. You better wake up to the reality. You just taught your children that church and God are important that it's more important to sleep. I have four children, too, and I've been in the ministry for a while. And let me tell you, my kids came to the services. My kids did all the extracurriculars. They showed up in church, and I'm telling you, they're still here. Amen. It didn't kill them. You better be careful because I'm telling you, what you do in moderation, the children will do in excess. You'll wonder why they don't want nothing to do with church one day. And they'll say, well, there's this thing going on at school and my friends are going over here and I don't want to go to church because I want to do that more. Just like you used to want to stay home and sleep. You say, they won't remember that. Oh, really? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, be very careful with this. We got to say no to our flesh when it comes to Saying no to certain food, drinks, and desserts. Listen, I'm talking about Christians. You've got one body. You better take care of it. You better take care of it. Listen, Baptists have a bad reputation, especially preachers, for loving fried chicken. And man, we go to some of those Baptist meetings from time to time, and I mean to tell you, you, you know, we got tables up there that you can seat eight around, but with Baptist preachers, you're lucky to get six. But I'm going to tell you something, that's a sin in their life many times. How, how's it going? I'll preach and say, you're going to say no to your flesh. Another piece of chicken, please. 
Hey, listen, we better be careful with that discipline in our life because it will affect our bodies and it will keep us from being truly uh, uh, the servant of God that he intends us to be or accomplishing the God-given role that he gave us. And listen, it's one thing. You can't control everything that goes on in your physical life, but you do make choices, and let me tell you, your children are watching. We have one of the most obese societies in America. How's that possible? It's because we don't give people, poor people, good food. That's bull. It's that we don't, we don't have discipline in our lives. You go ahead and blame it on whatever you want, but listen, nobody's telling you to put that in your mouth. You put it in your mouth, you don't. And let me tell you something, parents, you dictate and determine the future of your lives, your children's lives. What you do in moderation, they'll do in excess. Be careful now. I know, I know I'm touching on subjects that's really touchy. And I know you don't have to agree with it. You don't have to. You're a human being. You'll stand before Jesus and give an account for things, and so will I. But I'm just saying, be careful. How about we better say no to our flesh when it comes to lust and sinful desires? Listen, we're all guilty at times of looking at things and watching things we probably shouldn't. But wait a second, we better remember what the parents do in moderation, the children do in excess. Not only are we not pleasing our Heavenly Father, but we're also reinforcing some pretty bad habits in the lives of our children and our grandchildren. And by the way, as we get older, let's face it, we believe we deserve a little comfort and ease. You know what? It was easier to keep standards in your life when you're younger. Because you know those little kids are watching all the time. As we get older, right, adults? We think, well, you know, the kids are gone now. I can lose my temper a little bit. I was telling my wife, I felt a lot more free to lose my temper now than I used to when the kids were around because when they were around, I didn't want to be a bad testimony and I didn't want them growing up with an attitude. Now they're gone and sometimes I find myself just going, man, what's going on? This is stupid. And I'm thinking, wait a second. And then it hit me. My wife's still here. I'm supposed to be a Christian all the time. I'm supposed to act right all the time. Not just when people are around. Material gain. We better say no to material gain. Today it seems today in Christianity that we're we're raising a generation to say the most important thing, the most important thing in your life is to get a good education so you can make a lot of money and you can support your family. That is not the first priority in a Christian's life. We're raising a lot of good kids in our churches. We're just not raising godly kids. And can I tell you why? Because we have the wrong attitude toward the flesh. We're feeding it ourselves. And as a result of that, they're going to do even worse than ever. Because, see, we put priority and, and preeminence on the finances, and we think that's what's most important. Listen, I, my, me and my family have to take a vacation because I deserve it. You won't say that, but that's what you really mean. You're feeding your flesh because maybe there's other things that are more important than your vacation. Like paying your bills. Like not going into debt. Not disobeying biblical principles with your finances. But you deserve it, and so you feed the flesh. And you know what your kids are doing? Let me, let me zone in on that. Let, let me... Oh, wait a second. It's a little blurry yet. Oh, perfect. I can see exactly what you're doing. Covetousness and envy. We better say no to the flesh when it comes to covetousness and envy. We better say no to the flesh when it comes to cursing. We better say no to the flesh when it comes to gossip. We better say no when it comes to the flesh, uh, dealing with backbiting or murmuring and complaining. Those things are killers in your home. They're going to raise a generation that's very cynical and critical of the man of God, the church, and the God that created them. Feeding that flesh. It's just, I've got to get it off my chest. Why don't you just take it to the throne? Man, there's too many things we're getting off our chest today when they ought to be going to the throne. They're falling on the ground instead of going to heaven. And our children are listening to all this mess. They sit there and talk about bitterness in the, the services. There's so many teenagers that are bitter today. And I think to myself, why? Why are they so bitter? I'll tell you why. Here's, the, here's what my, my goal is. Because they're so weak. It's not because they've been hurt any more than you and I have growing up. They just think that the world should, is theirs. The world revolves around them today. Who's teaching them that? The world is. No, we are as parents. And so then somebody says something to them and they're, oh, I'm upset. My mom got yelled at me. I'm so bitter at my mother. For yelling at you? Are you a nut? Your dad got angry and threw something across the room because he was so mad at you? I'm not saying he's right in doing it, but let me tell you something. That was normal. What is wrong with us? We're so weak. 
We've raised a generation of things. They shouldn't yell at me. They shouldn't talk to me like that. I deserve better. You know what that is? That's the flesh. And they're learning it from somebody. Preacher gets a message like this. You go home and you say, that preacher's an idiot. I mean, he thinks he knows everything. He doesn't know. I, I mean, I'm a man. I know what I'm doing in my home. I'm going to leave my home. Why is he telling me what to do? Because God told me to. You shouldn't be undermining my authority in your home or your children will never come back to church when they turn 18. And you'll sit there and say, I don't understand it. The church and its standards sent them away running. They can't handle that stuff. That stuff's stupid. Okay. Yeah, blame the church all you want. Blame the preacher all you want. But the truth is you taught them it over here. What you did in moderation, they're going to do in excess. Preacher, you're the, this is awesome. Thank you so much. I love it. Drugs and alcohol. What about it? And, and I know, listen, there's a big trend in, in, in Christianity today. You know, there's nothing wrong with social drinking. I mean, I'm, listen, I have, sadly enough, and I'm not going to watch as much of it, as much of it. But anyway, I, I used to watch a little Hallmark. You know what Hallmark does? Every stinking movie now, I'm noticing. Everybody's got a glass of wine. What, 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 do you think that that's by chance? You know what they're doing? They're undermining our, they're, they're, they're making us, what's that word called? Oh, I can't remember. My mind just went blank. Desensitizing us to that. That's right. The Holy Spirit's good. See how he gave me that insight? <laughs> they're desensitizing us to this. There's nothing wrong with having a drink. As long as you're not getting drunk, preacher. Uh-huh. What you do in moderation, they're going to do in what? Excess. Go ahead. Go ahead and, and like John Wayne's movie, Quiet Man, go ahead and play patty fingers with it. So you know what I'm talking about, right? Remember John Wayne, that when they're getting, they're going through there, they're getting uh, courting. He says, no patty fingers. <laughs> Messing around. Don't be touching each other. Don't be playing around. You're courting. You've got to keep separation. Christians should learn that. Because what we do in moderation, they'll do in excess. What about disobedience? What about a rebellious spirit? What about a rebellious spirit? What's going on with that? You know what I'm saying? You and I have rebellious spirits. And listen, the bottom line is this. If we fail to say no to our flesh, they're going to likely dethrone God from their own, for their own pleasure, pursue monetary gain and the things of this world. If we can't learn to say no to our flesh, they're going to say, if we can't say no to our flesh, they're going to say yes to covetousness and envy. They're going to say yes to bitterness and unforgiveness. They're going to say yes to a spirit of cynicism and, and a critical view of God, of his house and his people. Their, their tongues, they're going to curse. They're going to gossip. They're going to backbite. They're going to murmur. They're going to complain. We're going to wonder why. I just told you to go take the trash out. Why are you arguing with me? Maybe because, Mom, you argue with Dad every time she tells you, he tells you to do something. Oh, whoa, 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 that's right. We live in a different generation. We, we can't obey the Bible anymore about that stuff. It's all changed now. I'm telling you, listen, you can play church all you want, but children see through that. And what the parents do in moderation, the children are going to do in excess. Hey, Dad, you talk to your wife with disrespect, then wonder why they talk to your wife with disrespect. You talk down to them and then you wonder why at some point in their life they stand up and bow up against you and your authority. I'm, I'm just trying to help you today because we're losing a generation. We're losing them. They don't want nothing to do with church. Go ahead, pull the pastors across the nation and ask them, how's it going with church growth in your church? How's, things, how's it working out? You're keeping all your young people. Are they ultimately transitioning into adulthood, remaining faithful and consistent and serving and giving and going for Jesus Christ? You know what you'll hear? You know what I'm, you're going to hear. We're losing a lot of them. And we do better than most. And it's not good enough. Who's going to be the next ones to sit in the pew and keep the gospel message, the light of the world going forward? Who's going to be here when Jesus returns? We have to say no or they're going to say yes. What about you, Dad? What about you, Mom? What about you, Grandma? What about you, Grandpa? Is there something in your life that you need to say no to today? What do you have to say no to today? 
Maybe you struggle with your mouth. Maybe you struggle with your temper. Maybe you struggle with your thought life. Maybe you're struggling with something in your life like that. I don't know what it is, but the Holy Spirit does, and I want him to pinpoint that in your life right now. What do you need to say no to so that they don't say yes? And, and, and you can say, well, you know what, I'm checking it out. I think I'm perfectly fine and whatever. Man, if you're saying that, you're not being honest with yourself. Because there's not one of us in the room that shouldn't probably clean up a few areas or fix a few things in our lives. Holy Spirit, reveal to me, you need to ask him, reveal to me that area in my life that I need to say no to. Because you say, there's a bunch of them, preacher. Just pick one even today. Just one even. Pick one today. And then at your seat, get, get bowed down at your seat. Or come to an altar and bow down and say, Lord, I'm going to say no to this because I don't want them to say yes. I don't want my grandchildren to say yes. I don't want my children to say yes to this in their life. Because if they say yes, it's going to even be worse than I have now. It's going to be a worse case than mine. And it will wreck and ruin their life. I know how it just is a thorn in my flesh. I don't want it to be one in theirs. And young people, let me say this. I don't know what background you're coming out of, but you know what? You can change the course of history. You can totally turn it all around. You don't have to be bound by the flesh. You don't have to be bound by drugs or alcohol. You don't have to be bound by lust and sex and all that stupidity that the world says is so absolutely necessary and that Satan and the flesh tell you are what you want. No, you determine right now you're going to cash God's check, not the devil's. And let me tell you something. You can grow up, marry the right kind of girl, have the right kind of home, and get out of all that mess and raise a generation for Jesus Christ. We have to say no, or they're going to say yes. No to this flesh. What is the Holy Spirit pinpointing in your life that you need to say no to, mom and dad, grandma, grandpa, man or woman, young person today? What do you have to say no to so that they don't say yes in the future? Father, we come to you. We ask you, Lord, to help us today. We need you. It's not a complicated message. There's nothing deep about it. But, Lord, it's, it's just so true. We've got to be honest about this flesh in our life and how it rules us so often, how we're trying to cash the devil's checks. And yet they're rubber checks. They don't give us what we, he tells us that, that he's given us. He lies to us over and over again. Help us, Lord, to realize that we'd be better to cash your check. Oh, it means maybe some immediate discomfort. Maybe it means to be uncomfortable in our lives for a while. But Lord, you're going to bless those decisions because they're decisions that honor you. Lord, we don't want to lose any more young people. We don't want to lose any more adults even. Lord, help us as older Christians, as young Christians, as young people even, to say no to the flesh so that we can encourage others to say no as well. Because otherwise they're going to say yes. And what we do in moderation they'll do in excess bless us now in this time of invitation in christ's name we pray amen let's all stand every head bowed every eye closed